Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Medicine is a funny thing. We like to believe that it's an exact objective science, but the history of medicine is full of trial, error, and chance. Take penicillin, for example. That life-saving medication was discovered by accident. A little mold in Dr. Alexander Fleming's Petri dish changed the whole world for the better. But some medical inventions are, well, not so fortuitous. And back in 1932, a New England socialite named Ebenezer Byers learned that the hard way. Ebenezer, or Eben for short, was born in 1880, the son of a fabulously wealthy steel manufacturer. As such, he grew up with a particularly shiny silver spoon in his mouth. He studied at the best schools, he wore the best clothes, and attended the best social events. When he graduated from college in the early 1900s, he had no reason to try and find a job. Instead, he spent his days playing rich men's favorite sport, golf. And he was really good. In 1906, he won first place at the U.S. Amateur Golf Championship. He might have wanted to go pro, but as he got older, he landed right where he'd been destined since birth. His father made him the chairman of the Byers Steel Company. Things were going quite well for Eben until 1927. That November, he was riding a train home from a collegiate football game, Yale versus Harvard. Of course, he'd purchased a first-class ticket and was snoozing away on a comfortable bed. Then the train skidded to a sudden halt, and Eben flew off the mattress and landed on the floor. And in the process, he hit his shoulder hard enough that it was still bothering him a few days later. In fact, it hurt so badly that he couldn't play golf, which for Eben was a big problem. He went to his doctor, who prescribed him with a new miracle drug that would supposedly zap the pain right away. It was called Radithor. It came in a small, dark-colored bottle, and Eben was prescribed one spoonful a day. He did as he was told, and just like the doctor promised, it made him feel incredible. The pain in his arm went away. He had more energy. He felt more alive, happier. He liked it so much that he started taking more than the recommended dose, sometimes drinking an entire bottle of Radithor in one day. Over the next four years, Eben ingested around 1,400 bottles of Radithor. And then one day in 1931, his jaw fell off his face. And I mean that literally. The bones and muscles holding his jaw together disintegrated, and it just snapped off. Obviously, Eben was terrified. He figured this new development must have been related to the mysterious liquid that he'd been chugging for the last four years. And he was right. Around the same time, the Federal Trade Commission started investigating Radithor as a potentially life-threatening drug. They sent an attorney to Eben's house to get a statement from him. Later on, that attorney wrote the following about meeting Eben, sans jaw, in a fancy Long Island mansion. A more gruesome experience, he wrote, in a more gorgeous setting would be hard to imagine. Eben's whole upper jaw, excepting two front teeth and most of his lower jaw, had been removed. All the remaining tissue of his body was disintegrating, and holes were actually forming in his skull. Now, I know what you're asking. What kind of medication causes human bodies to break apart at the seams? 
Well, Radithor contained exactly two ingredients, water and radium. And if you're not familiar, radium is an extremely dangerous radioactive element that was commonly used in everything from paint to medications before people realized that it was deadly. By the time Evan died of radium-induced cancer in 1932, he had ingested so much of the element that even his breath was radioactive. They had to bury him in a coffin lined with lead so that his remains wouldn't contaminate the surrounding dirt. It's a bleak story, I know. But there was one very small upside for Evan Byers. Radium really does have pain-relieving properties. So even as his bones slowly fell apart, Evan couldn't feel a thing. And that, my friends, is curious. If you use TikTok, or really any social media, you've almost certainly heard the phrase skincare routine. You might have seen videos of influencers rubbing layer upon layer of products on their faces, talking about how much they love a certain serum or a scrub. These days, the beauty industry is a $532 billion a year business. From mascara that's supposed to make your eyelashes grow, to lotion that claims to reverse the signs of aging, beauty products make impossible promises, and the people who peddle them make incredible profits. It's been that way throughout history, too. Take, for example, the story of Madame Anna Rupert, a pioneering beauty guru who made a killing, then almost got killed. Anna was born in Missouri in 1864. Now, according to legend, she grew up with a birthmark on her face. No big deal, right? Well, to Anna, it was. As a teenager, she sought to have the birthmark removed. The exact details have been lost to history, but she either visited a St. Louis druggist, which is like a pharmacist today, or a vaguely described old woman, and I use big air quotes for that. Whichever one is the truth, they apparently provided Anna with a curative formula that made the mark disappear. Anna was so happy with the results that she wanted to share this magical formula with others. She created her own spin on the product and tried to sell it. She even started calling herself a dermatologist, which was a problem because she had zero medical training. In 1883, she married a man named Henry Rupert. They moved to New York, where Anna's skincare business really took off. Her most popular offering was Madame Rupert's Face Bleach. If that title makes you a little uncomfortable, I don't blame you. Anna didn't specifically market her products to an African-American audience, but the idea of skin bleaching definitely carries racist undertones. This was a time in history when being pale was the beauty standard and Madame Rupert's face bleach promised to erase tans, freckles, eczema, blackheads, beauty marks, and so much more. Now, I can't say if this product actually worked. I'd put my money on no, though. But people bought it anyway, which allowed Anna to establish herself as a major player in the 19th century American beauty business. She wrote a beauty column in a magazine called Hearth and Home and published a book titled How to Be Beautiful. She later moved to London and captured her share of the British market as well. But beauty is pain, after all. Anna's life wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. In the late 1880s, she and her husband got a divorce, which was a much bigger deal in the 19th century than it would be today. Then, in 1893, the British Medical Journal published an article that tarnished the name of Madame Rupert forever. You see, a woman known only as Mrs. K had experienced a horrible reaction to Anna's face bleach, she actually died after using it. 
That's because it contained mercury chloride, which, in high amounts, could cause mercury poisoning. After this, Anna was effectively blacklisted from the beauty industry. She turned to acting and theater management to make ends meet, and that's why she was working at the Princess Theater in London in November of 1894 when she received the box of candy with no letter attached. Clearly, it was somewhat suspicious, but Anna figured that the gift was from a secret admirer, so she ate a handful of the candy. The next day, she felt so ill, she couldn't perform. It turned out that the candy was laced with carbolic acid. Someone had tried to poison Anna, and although she survived and offered a reward for information, the culprit was never found. Maybe it was a disgruntled customer trying to get back at Anna, but we'll never know for sure. A few months later, Anna moved back to the United States, where she tried to re-enter the beauty industry by becoming a lecturer on dermatology. She gave speeches about skincare serums and aging prevention. And then, quite suddenly, she contracted tuberculosis and passed away in 1896, at just 32 years old. And for critics of her work in the beauty product industry, there is a small bit of irony there. They're quick to point out that Anna died so young, she didn't have time to get a single wrinkle. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.